it's funny as a coach. Um, I'm a guy that I played 17 years. I probably was in trade talks 13 of them, you know, around the deadline. Um, so I have a valuable perspective on it that I can sit and talk with any of my guys about, you know. So that's what I love about this thing, to be honest with you, is, is all the things that I kind of went through in my career, which was pretty much everything. Um, I can meet all of our guys where they're at at that time. You know, and it's not easy to hear your name in trade talks, you know, but it's also something that you can't control. And as I always tell our guys, it takes two to tangle. You know, if you didn't have any value, you wouldn't be hearing your name. So it, it just kind of is what it is. But at the end of the day, whether you get traded or not, you're still living your dream. You're playing basketball for a living. Hey, Rip City, this is Nasir Little, and it's time to open the briefcase with Casey Holdall. Greetings, Blizzard fans, and welcome to The Briefcase, episode 22 of The Briefcase. I am your host, Casey Holdall. This is your podcast covering all things Portland Trailblazers and beyond in short, digestible pieces, sometimes a little shorter than others. This one we might be going a little long for because the NBA trade season is officially upon us. The NBA trade deadline expires on Thursday, February 9th at noon Pacific. So between now and then, NBA front offices will be furiously working the phones in an effort to improve their teams, both in the near term and in the long term. Unless you're a player who wants to be traded, congratulations to Kyrie Irving, by the way, on getting shipped to Dallas just a few days after asking out of Brooklyn for, I think, the second time. This time of year can be tough, as you just heard John C. Billups note, but living with rumors which range from real to complete fabrications is just the reality of playing in the NBA. Well, here's some of that trade chatter, which ranges from rumored interest to straight-up hypotheticals on this edition of The Briefcase. Well, before we turn our attention to things that may or may not happen, and as I always say with trades, it's more likely that things will not happen than that will happen at least in specifics, though this season it does feel like there's so much chatter that we might actually get a trade at the deadline this year, just as we did last season. But before we get to that, let's look to some of the recent news that's coming out of Rip City as of late, things that have actually happened. The Trailblazers begin a five-game homestand heading into the All-Star break after going 2-1 on a three-game trip. Portland got their best win of the season last Wednesday by defeating the Grizzlies in Memphis 122-112, and then followed that up with a 124-116 come-from-behind victory versus the Wizards in D.C. before falling 129-121 Saturday night to the Bulls in Chicago on the second game of a back-to-back. Standouts on the trip, aside from Damian Lillard, of course, include both Drew Eubanks and Trenton Watford, who have both taken on increased roles with Yusuf Nurkic sidelined, and Anthony Simons, who led the comeback versus the Wizards. As for their upcoming schedule, the Trailblazers host the Bucks, the Warriors, the Thunder, the Lakers, and the Wizards before heading into the All-Star break. Nice little five-game homestand going into the break. And speaking of Yusuf Nurkic, he left the Grizzlies game after playing just a few minutes and did not return. The next day, the team announced that an MRI revealed a strain in his left calf, which would keep him out until after the All-Star break. Nurkic is, in fact, injured. I think if you watched him play recently, you can tell that he's just not right. But that hasn't stopped people from assuming that there are other trade-related reasons why he's being held out. And concerning the type of year, I can't really blame people for making that jump. I can tell you, though, Nurk is injured. That calf is not right. It's been bothering him for some time. They're trying to get it figured out. They haven't just yet, but he will be out until at least after the All-Star break, and that's the way the team put it in the press release, so I understand people making assumptions. And with Nurk out and with the team back in town for the next two weeks, the Trailblazers have recalled Greg Brown III from the G League. Our buddy GB4 averaged 15.8 points, 5.0 rebounds, and 2.0 blocks in four games with the Ontario Clippers since being put on assignment last week. Greg back in town, expecting to be in uniform for these five games at Moda Center. 
And finally, wrapping up our news and notes edition, Damian Lillard was named Western Conference Player of the Week for the second straight week after leading Portland to a 3-1 week with averages of 38.3 points, 6.8 assists, and 4.5 rebounds per game. And considering how Damian has played as of late, one wonders if NBA Commissioner Adam Silver will select Damian Lillard to replace Stephen Curry, who's expected to miss the All-Star game due to injury, as a replacement starter in the West. John Morant and Shai Gilgis Alexander are also options, as is Kyrie Irving, you would imagine, who is now in the West after being voted as a starter in the East. But in my completely biased opinion, I think Dame is the best option for a number of reasons. First and foremost, he's closer to Curry both in terms of their style of play and both in terms of being a veteran point guard who has only played for one organization and who are the best players in their respective franchise histories. Dame has been no worse than the third best point guard in the NBA this season, and I think there's a strong argument that he's been top two. He has proven himself to be entertaining in all-star games. He's always done what the NBA has asked of him at all-star games. He's reportedly competing once again in the three-point contest for the third time. He's about all the right things, and he's only ever in the news due to his loyalty, something that can't necessarily be said for some of the other options. If the choice is up to Adam Silver, Damian Lillard should get the nod. I would also imagine, too, that if he was given the option, Steph Curry would probably pick Damian Lillard to replace him as well. I don't know what the actual rules are about all-star starter replacements. As a matter of fact, I'd be surprised if there were any rules about all-star starter replacements. But if there aren't any rules, and if he's not disallowed by those rules, Damian Lillard should be the guy. All right, moving on to the stats we'll be tracking all season long on the briefcase. After 53 games, the Blazers sit alone in 11th in the Western Conference standings with a record of 26 wins and 27 losses. Though you might be listening to this a few days later, so that might be a little bit changed. But for the most part, they've been around 11, 10, 9 at various times throughout the last couple weeks. The Trailblazers are 10 and a half games behind the Nuggets in first, one and a half games behind the Mavericks in sixth, and one and a half games up on the Lakers for 13th, and 12 games up on the Spurs for 14th. Just to give you a sense of where they're at, where they could be moving to or down to at this point in the season. The Blazers are fifth in offensive rating, which is unchanged from the last time we checked in, at 116.9 points scored per 100 possessions. And on the other side of the ball, Portland is currently 27th in defensive rating, two spots worse than the last time we checked in, at 115.7 points allowed per 100 possessions. And since their offensive rating has mostly stayed the same, but their defensive rating has gotten worse, they fall into 16th in net rating at 0.4 after being 14th for the last few weeks. More wins, but worse defense. Go figure. And for the gamblers out there, the Trailblazers are 28-25 and 25 this season versus the spread after covering in two of their last three games. They were 5.5-point underdogs versus the Grizzlies and won by 10, 4.5-point underdogs versus the Wizards and won by 8, but were 3-point underdogs versus the Bulls and lost by 8. Once again, when the Trailblazers win, they cover. When they lose, they don't. That's pretty much been the case for Portland this season. And by going 3-1 last week, the Blazers got ever closer to surpassing their win total set by the oddsmakers this season at 39.5 wins. As of right now, the Troy Blazers will need to win 14 of the remaining 29 games in order to hit the over. That's less than 50%, but that's still quite a sweat. Best of luck out there. Unless you took the under, of course, in which case you're on your own. Finally, as promised, the trade chatter. So guessing trades for someone in my position can be a bit difficult. I do hear things from time to time and would like to pass those things along if I could, but then some people claim you're speaking on behalf of the team rather than just passing along what you've heard, which very often comes from sources outside of Portland. Then there's also the issue of discussing players who are not on your team, which is generally frowned upon by the league and the players as well, though I can explain it to the players. It's much more difficult for me to explain it to the league as they generally don't take my calls. But what I can do is pass along what others have said about the Trailblazers. 
I've always been of the opinion that just because you work for a team doesn't mean you should have to ignore what other people who cover the league are saying, and the folks at the league generally agree with me on that one. So having said all that, I've collected audio from a few different places regarding what the Portland Trailblazers might do at the trade deadline. Some of it is quote-unquote reported interest, some of it is quote-unquote reporting out what they've heard in the run-up to the deadline, and one of the clips at least is simply ideas of the kinds of trades that Portland could execute, not necessarily transactions that have been offered or even discussed by the teams. So first off, Here's ESPN's Brian Windhorse and Kevin Pelton discussing the Trailblazers on their January 30th edition of the Hoop Collective. If you look at the teams in front of them, they're going to have to jump over quite a few teams. And one thing that's very interesting is that Jeremy Grant, who is playing great for them right now, um, I'll, I'll be interested to hear what, what you think of how he's performing. He's eligible for an extension. He has a because he's in the middle of a contract, he has a ceiling that he can extend to. Do you know what the what the number is off the top of your head? Um, Don't off the top of my head. Okay. It's something in the 20s, 20s per year. Um, and he has not signed that extension. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I assume that it's been, actually it's been reported, I believe by the Bleach Report, that it's been offered. Correct. It is not a surprise that it's been offered. It's kind of a no-brainer to offer it. Um and I assume that he's doing that because he thinks he can do more in, in the summer, not necessarily because um, he's, he's not, not happy committed to more than yeah. Yeah. The problem is, is that if you can't get that extension signed, because um, right now you look at the mix of the team and you're like, it's not a winning team. Um, will it be a winning team? A year from now, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, it, you know, I can't see the future. What do you do with Jeremy Grant, especially when you're in a situation where this is a, a really good draft? Um, do you just, assume, just, you know, you have a conversation with him and you get a feel um, that you're going to be okay in the summer. And so you just say, I'll write it out. Do you say to yourself, well, we're going to make this a huge priority. And if it gets into a bidding war, we're going to outbid everybody because we have his bird rights and so be it. Or do you, do I, do I say that, you know, there's people out there. I mean, there's people talking crazy about like three first round picks for OG Ananobi and two first round picks for boy, two first round picks and a prospect for uh, Boyan Bagdanovich. I mean, think about what would happen if Jeremy Grant all of a sudden popped up on the market um in uh in february now i don't know if he's gonna i'm not saying i have heard any of that but i can see what's they got to be mulling around and so it's not an unreasonable question to dame if it's asked in a certain way because you know last year dame had the surgery they took their um uh um they took their team down and, you know, went and got a lottery pick. Now, my feel from what I know about what the Blazers have done is that they want to add to this team, that they want, you know, I, I don't think it's a secret that, that if OG Ananobi was placed in the market by the Raptors, I mean, there'd be a number of teams going after him. But it is known that the Blazers would love to try to get OG Ananobi, just like it was known that they really wanted Jeremy Grant as well. Uh, Dame played with Jeremy Grant on the team USA. They had a good relationship. And by the way, they have played well, uh, together here in Portland, but I don't think it's necessarily a slam dunk. Like, absolutely. I think it's a conversation looking at where they are in the West, which I think is 12th place right now, 12th or 13th place. 
maybe they're a little bit better than that. Um, but anyway, um, maybe it's insulting to them that I'm even su- just suggesting that they would consider maybe trying to go back into the lottery with Victor Wembanyama on the board. And by the way, Mike Schmitz, who is their assistant general manager, one of our colleagues at ESPN, Mike Schmitz discovered Victor Wembanyama in the scouting world before anybody, just about. So there you go. Brian Windhorst and Kevin Pelton discussing the Portland Trailblazers and what they may or may not do at the trade deadline on a recent edition of the Hoop Collective. I also want to point out too that Brian Windhorst has been talking about Jeremy Grant and his extension and the fact that he hasn't signed that extension that has reportedly been offered for the past couple weeks. Brian Windhorst, one of the sharpest guys covering the league. So anytime he mentions something, even if it's something I don't necessarily believe, I always make sure to pay attention to it because he has proven throughout the years that he generally knows what he's talking about. Next up, a real quick hitter from Shams Charania of The Athletic discussing a player the Trailblazers are reportedly interested in acquiring from a clip on February 2nd. The Portland Trailblazers have emerged as a strong suitor for Utah Jazz forward Jared Vanderbilt. Sources tell me Portland is among a few teams showing interest in Vanderbilt who appears increasingly likely to be dealt ahead of the February 9th NBA trade deadline. Vanderbilt is averaging 8.5 points, 7.8 rebounds, and nearly three assists a game in 24 minutes per night for the Jazz in his fifth NBA season, and he was among the pieces that Utah acquired in the Rudy Gobert trade. So there you go. Shams Charnia. I should also mention, too, that the names there mentioned are names that a lot of people here in Portland have been talking about for some time. People that cover the Trailblazers, people that cover the Jazz have been on that for some time now. Low-hanging fruit isn't especially hard to grab. Moving on, the longest clip comes from the February 2nd edition of The Low Post, in which Zach Lowe and Kevin Pelton threw out some of their Trailblazer trade ideas. I actually had to cut this one down a bit, so if you want to hear all those ideas, go ahead and check out the full episode, which I've linked on Forward Center, along with all the other clips you're hearing today. I should also note, too, that they're very specific in discussing that these are just ideas that they have, not necessarily trades that have been discussed by either team. So take it away, Zach Lowe, Kevin Pelton. Can we talk about... I'll give you a choice of wildcard teams. They're on my list. The Portland Trailblazers or the New York Knicks? Which would you like to talk about? Well, let's do Portland both because I, I'm well prepared for that. And also because I think it intersects with the Chicago conversation. And with the Phoenix one. I have so many crazy Portland Trailblazers trades, all of which are probably total non-starters for the Portland Trailblazers. But I don't really care. I want to have fun. It's the trade deadline. I want to have fun. Why are the Portland Trailblazers on your list of trade deadline wildcards, Kevin Pelton? I mean, the the case for them is a little similar to the Lakers in terms of their star, Damian Lillard, is still performing at this elite level. You know, I was there uh, last week when he scored 60 points against the Jazz. He's been on an incredible heater during this homestand that they've had going. They still haven't played very well during it, which is which is the problem. So, yeah, because of that, they need to find better pieces around Damian Lillard. And even though I think everyone thinks of them as a teardown team and they do have probably a need to figure out the Josh Hart situation before the trade deadline. They're also, I think, a team that's going to be aggressive looking to add to their core rather than subtract from it. Okay. So given the constraints of reality in Portland's salary structure, Jeremy Grant's a free agent after this year, hasn't signed an extension. I think Jason Quick had a piece about that this week in The Athletic. Might want to wait till the offseason to sign a bigger contract than can, can be offered now. Hart... Let's just say he's a 12.96 million expiring contract. He's a very good role player. And Yusuf Nurkic, who has slumped in the last six weeks and at times kind of slumped out of the fourth quarter rotation in favor of Drew Eubanks, jumping Drew Eubanks 
makes uh, about $55 million over the next three seasons after this one, all guaranteed. Given those constraints, how Kevin Pelton and the fact that I owe the Chicago Bulls a lottery protected pick through 2028 so that as of right now, I cannot trade a first round pick, cannot, cannot trade a first round pick. Now I can go to the Bulls and say, what's it going to cost me to amend the terms on those picks and how dangerous is amending the protections on those picks going to be to me, the Portland Trailblazers who are currently in, I think, 11th place in the Western Conference. I can't, I can't just be too, uh, too reckless with my own draft picks. How can I win now? So that's why I kind of like Chicago as a trade partner for Portland, because if anyone is going to be like willing to work around that trade, that, that protected pick situation, yep. it's going to be if you're dealing directly with the Bulls, because then they know they get the pick either way, basically. I'm so I'm so excited for these fake trades that are going to be crazy and have no chance of re- reality because I have <laughs> I have a lot of them myself. So please, I'm so excited. All right. Well, so you started, I think, with Zach Levine to Portland, which is logical for a few reasons. To me, DeRozan is an interesting fit there. I believe still shares an agent with Damian Lillard. So there's there's that bit of a connection. Spicy. He does the good ones. Yeah. So and then if you look at DeRozan and Caruso, they're almost an exact salary match for Anthony Simons and Josh Hart. In a way that solves the Blazers' problems because they don't have to worry about like what's Josh Hart going to make in free agency next year? How do we figure that out? And then for Chicago, it's not really an issue for them. They get dramatically younger by going from Jerusalem and Caruso to Simons. Like you've got to believe in Simons' future that you know he he can be, if not an all-star, like a a in in the all-star discussion type of player, I think for that to make sense for them, depending unless there's a lot of draft picks going. So so wait, so outline outline the deal for me so I get it completely right. DeRozan and Caruso for Hart and Simons. No draft equity? Some pick TBD. That's that's the player part of it. So here's the issue we're gonna run into over and over again. I don't think the Blazers want to trade Anthony Simons. I think their view of the situation is we upended our franchise last season in the CJ McCollum trade in part because of the faith we have in homegrown first round pick Anthony Simons. I think there's sort of an attachment to that idea. And he's the bridge to the post name era. He's the only real bridge. I mean, Shade and Sharp is far, far away. He's playing now. That's good. But I, but I think he's part of this conversation because one of the things that we've seen with Shade and Sharp this year is. He in he's probably a shooting guard, not a small forward, given his rebound rate. And so, like long term, the is you know is Shaden Sharp, Simons, and Lillard a fit? Like that is that going to create kind of the same redundancy issues we've been talking about for Portland for a long period of time? So, if you really believe in Sharp as the long term guy, then Simons may be the the one who ends up going because of that. Now, one of the advantages of acquiring DeRozan over Levine, which is the fake trade I pitched earlier this week, is DeRozan makes $10 million less than Levine. And so you're not handcuffing yourself to, let's say, Jeremy Grant. What's a good estimate for Jeremy Grant? Would you say 28 or 30 or something? So you're not committing $110 million to three players. You're committing a little bit less than that, which is also part of the value of Anthony Simon's contract is that that contract is going to age pretty well in the mid-20s instead of a, a gigantic $40 million contract. I like that one. Can I read you my Portland uh, Chicago one? Go for it. <laughs> Anthony Simons, Yusuf Nurkic, 
and Josh Hart earning a combined $50.9 million for DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic earning $49.3 million. So Portland shaves a little bit of money, stays under the tax. Chicago adds a little bit of money, but also stays just under the tax. I get my replacement center for Nurkic, who I now have to pay, but I don't think I'm going to have to pay a crazy amount of money for. I don't think the market's going to be jumping for big Nick Vucevic. I get DeRozan, and I give up the best young player in the trade, the only good young player in the trade, really, in Anthony Simons. And if I'm Chicago, do do I need – I probably need something, right? Just the optics of giving up DeMar and Vucevic, um, even though I'm getting the – if the closest thing there is to kind of a, a young gem in this trade, do I, what, how much do I need though? Can I, we play around with that pick? Can we unprotect part of it? And I get another pick. Is that too much for Portland to give up? Considering Portland, if I'm Portland, I'm saying, wait a second, I'm giving up a 23 year old on the fringes of the, the fringes, the very fringes of the all-star conversation. I don't know who adds what in that trade. I mean, this is where most trades fall apart, right? Is that both teams feel like, you know, it's a it's a slightly better value for us and that sort of thing. I mean, I, the you now the interesting thing about it from Portland's standpoint is like the Blazers' problem remains defense. You trade for Demar Derozan, Nikola Vucevic. I, know, I can't. I Nikola can't Vucevic. Do it. I'm I not can't. sure you're fixing that. That's why I liked having Caruso in that deal. Like I, I he shares some overlap with Gary Payton the second, but you know he, Boy, he also put, makes. But me if a you put them on the, the floor at the same time, it oh, would, yeah. it would be like hellacious. You're right. And my only defense is the same thing I had for Levine, who's not a defender either, is at least they're tall. At least they're 6'6". Six, six. DeRozan is 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, at, yep. at least they're tall enough that I can switch them around and put them in different places. Simons is, is just – this is the issue with the Blazers. If your stated goal is maximizing Damian Lillard's prime, he's 32 years old. You're not doing it right now, right? We can agree on that. This team is not doing it. This team's – whatever. Two games, a game under 500. They're fine. They're not doing anything serious. Well, how can I do something serious? How can I turn this into a serious contender? And and the I'm not going to say the only way. The the way that gives me the most options is putting sniffing around what Simons could get me. There you go. Zach Lowe and Kevin Pelton talking about some Trailblazers ideas with the Bulls. That wasn't even all the discussions that they had. So if you want to listen to the entirety of that podcast, which was posted on February 2nd, check out the link in the blog. Taking it more local, here's Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports discussing some Portland trade options on the February 3rd edition of Danny and Dusty on 1080 The Fan. The the other news, obviously, is yesterday afternoon that the Trailblazers were, were linked to uh, Jared Vanderbilt. And that's something that I think a lot of people here locally um, obviously, Damian Lillard had a, a tweet in December with the the eyes emojis uh, when one of his confidants uh, tweeted something about it. That that sounds like it's something it's um, not necessarily done, but definitely something that looks like it would probably head towards Portland way. But the other side of that is is kind of what's going out, and there's been talks of uh, a lesser deal, um, not involving the other big asset in in Josh Hart. Have you heard anything else around Josh Hart? Because I know that the teams that may be in pursuit of OG and Anobi would also kind of maybe pivot to a guy like Josh Hart as well. Yeah, Vando, I've definitely heard Portland. Um, I've heard a few other teams. Portland's the only one that I've heard like a package for. And I'll say it was um, like a smaller salary player than Josh Hart and a couple second-round picks. I feel like you know the Jazz have definitely listed – Beasley and Vanderbilt and Conley all as available for a first round pick. And I think teams are looking at what happened with 
Washington and Rui, and that the Wizards certainly wanted a first-round pick for Rui Hachimura at first, and then the Lakers were able to get him for three second-round picks. Like I think teams are going to try to split that difference um, across the board, where you have the Utah guys, but also you know, like Detroit, for example, that, like they're holding up a high asking price for Bogdanovich, and you know across the league, pretty much everyone's available for a first or multiple firsts, all that type of stuff. I think. Um, but to that point too, like Josh Hart could could definitely become uh, a secondary target for teams, but um, it seems like no one's like actively like I haven't heard of a team that's like dying to get Josh Hart. Not to besmirch Josh Hart, he's a good player, but mm-hmm. I think the fact that also he's going to opt out of his final year that's that's, that's expected of his contract at twelve point nine million, so he's probably looking for more. A team that would be willing to trade for Josh Hart that isn't just looking at him as a postseason rental is going to want to have to have an appetite to pay him like at least three years, 45. So um, I, I just, I don't see a ton of teams right now who are lining up to pay that um, being that his shooting has taken such a, such a, a dip that obviously Blazers fans have, have noticed so far this season. So put your GM hat on and say you're Joe Cronin. Where, where do you pick up the phone and try to call and kick the tires on to, to help improve your roster the most with, with what you're dealing with? I mean, honestly, if I'm Joe Cronin, I'm making Simons and Shaden Sharp and everyone is not Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant available for trade. I, I don't know if OG Anobi is the answer, um, but I feel like you could probably build packages. Like if you really wanted to look across the table at Damian Lillard, like the Lakers have with LeBron, and just go all out and do everything you can to try to build a contender around this guy. I would, I would try to find ways to um, turn both Simons and Sharp into blue chip package, you know, players going out uh, to go get, you know, upper. I mean, I would just call every single team. I would call every single All Star who, in theory, is not just untouchable, you know just to try to see what's out there because I think the, the, the clock is clearly ticking on how long Damian Lillard can just effortlessly post 60 point games. And <laughs> I mean, it's just, they're not, they're not at the top tier of the West. They're just not. No. So there you go. Jake Fisher on a recent edition of Danny and Dusty on Tenny to the fan. Finally, to wrap it up, we got Brian Windhorst once again and Zach Lowe once again with some Trailblazers trade chatter from the February 6th edition of the Low Post. Here's when horse and low. One more thing. Are we a hundred percent sure? One hundred percent that the Blazers are holding Jeremy Grant. Are we one hundred percent sure about that? I look, I've been on the Blazers as a wild card team for three weeks now, saying, like, I just are they just okay being this I mean, mediocre? Like we're maximizing Dame's Prime, but not really. We're not very good. Like, and the only now they're just barely under the tax, right? They're $67,000 under the tax and they are not going to go over the tax. They will not be ending of the season over the tax. The only interest like Josh Hart is nice, but that's a deck chair move. Nurkic with three years left on his deal is a deck chair move. The Please only hurt. meaningful, the only meaningful stuff they have to really shake it up is Grant and Simons. I would, and Sharp, I would be looking around at Simons deals just to see how much he's valued around the league and what I could get with him. I don't get the vibe from them that they're super interested in doing that. They love Simons. He's their guy. He's the bridge to the future. They traded McCollum to free up his role, et cetera. So that leaves Grant, who's eligible for an extension, hasn't signed one. 
obviously Dame wanted Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant's been really good for them, but I, I agree with you. They're a team to watch. I just, it, it sounds to me, I said this on my pod the other day. It, it sounds like the, like the Blazers are trying to buy. Yeah, but like they are. So maybe they will buy, but I'm just, I just, I just, I'm just asking, I mean, where are you at on Jeremy Grant? I, I would expect, I, I would bet on them keeping him because I think, okay. I think buying for them, the most likely buy is like, can we get a small upgrade somewhere for Josh Hart or this and that? So, but I don't, I mean, I don't think it's out of bounds that he gets traded. I, I would go like 90, 10. He's still on the team after okay. the trade deadline, yeah, but okay. maybe so 80, 20. I, I, all right. So I would say Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Boyan Bagdanovich, three guys. I'm going to be paying a lot of it. I'm going to be having a lot of conversations about between now and Thursday. Secondary list, Jeremy Grant, Zach Levine. Although I don't think Zach's getting traded and you don't think Jeremy's getting traded. And I accept both of those. So there you go. Once again, Brian Windhorst beating the Jeremy Grant. Is he or isn't he going to sign drum? I would agree with Zach Lowe. Everything I've heard is that they're just going to wait until the offseason. I have I have every expectation that they will get something done at some point in time. Probably just not during the season. Though Brian Windhorst has been around a long time. He knows how these things tend to go. And so that contract isn't signed until it's signed. That's just the fact of the matter in the NBA. So I understand the skepticism. I don't think there's anything there. But again, Brian Windhorst knows quite a bit, probably more than I do, though maybe not about the Portland Trailblazers, however. So we'll see. But again, I'm not expecting that to happen, but he's mentioned it multiple times. So I think it's at least worth listening to. And that is going to do it for this edition of The Briefcase. The NBA trade deadline is on Thursday, as I've mentioned previously. So expect a new edition sometime soon after the deadline expires. Will we have any new deals to discuss at that time? I imagine that might be the case, as this amount of discussion around the trade deadline usually portends that some kind of deal is in the works but we'll all just have to wait until Thursday afternoon for confirmation of that, which makes this a great time to subscribe to The Briefcase. Please go ahead and do that if you haven't already. So be on the lookout for that later this week. Thanks so much for joining me on this edition of The Briefcase. Talk soon. Go Blazers.